Hello, my name is Dustin Hosseini and this is the Digital Education Practices Podcast. So today I'm joined by uh, Jesslyn Wilkinson, who's going to talk to us about social annotation. Uh, so Jesslyn, why don't you uh, tell us a bit about yourself? Where are you based? What do you do? Hi, so I'm Jessalyn Wilkinson. I'm based out of southwestern Ontario in Canada, um, and I'm a faculty developer uh, at a local college, but by way of a, a K-12 elementary educator. So uh, my background is in education. I'm currently studying in a master's of education at Ontario Tech U in Ontario, obviously. And my skill set is specifically helping faculty develop in the use of technology with pedagogical applications. So um, when I was working in the K-12 education sphere, I focused a lot on helping students with assistive tech and building their technological skill sets. Um, and then I've kind of sort of moved into the adult world of education and focusing on adult skill development, specifically for faculty. So that's that's a little bit about my story. Okay, cool. And so you're going to talk to us today a bit about uh, social annotation. So what, what is that? What is social annotation? Yeah, so social annotation is um, this idea that we can jump into a document or a text or the web and collaboratively with our peers, we can either co-write that space or we can cooperatively critique or peer edit that space. Um, So usually when we think about social annotations, we might think about things like Google Docs or collaborative docs in whatever shape or form they might take and getting in there and co-writing or co-authoring some form of document. But social annotation has evolved um, to include spaces like PDFs and to include spaces like websites uh, and online areas where using different tools that might be available to you, you can collaboratively critique or critically read spaces that are online. You can comment and expand on each other's ideas, sort of just by using these these free sidebars or social tools that, that different developers might develop. One in particular that I've come across that I like is called Hypothesis, which is developed by a group and funded by, uh, in part, the Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, but it's developed by a group in the States. And the justification for the tool comes from different communities online that were basically begging for the ability to, to critique online spaces. You know, I'm thinking of people like journalists who need to be able to fact check fairly, fairly robustly and fairly efficiently online and uh, science researchers who need to be able to fact check things like uh, climate change denial or or um, different topics of their research. And they want to be able to do that collaboratively with their research peers. Um, So you'll see some of the examples online that we might be sharing are ones where, you know, researchers, journalists, educators are using social annotation tools to kind of participate in web spaces that aren't typically invitational to writing or to co-authorship. 
So you might mark up, say, uh, an article from your local newspaper and, and drop some comments or some feedback about, about how you feel about their research or, or how you feel about their op-ed. And different people from, from the world at large can come in and share in that conversation with you just by using the same tool that you might be using. Okay. So for example, you might go online and look at a piece of research. This is what you're saying, right? Or an online news article. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the two best ways that I've seen people use these kinds of tools are for things like open journals and, um, just the web at large, you know, so maybe a news article that's been posted. And, um, for example, there's, there's a group of, uh, researchers, I believe in the States, I'm not going to say for sure, but there's a group of researchers who study climate change. And what they do is they'll go to various climate change focused, um, websites or communities and kind of fact check as they read the posts on those communities, on those websites and, um, Fact check in the sense that they're connecting with each other as researchers. They're looking to say, you know, what research substantiates or or diminishes this claim. They're reading through the, the article, kind of highlighting as they go, dropping in comments or sticky notes to say, if you read this, you would you would learn more a bit about this topic. And they're doing that kind of with their peer researchers. So other researchers that they'd like to work with who might be from organizations across the country, around the globe, saying, let's build a community. Let's get out there and mark up kind of what other people are saying so that it can strengthen and, and improve our research to be able to substantiate to the world that, that climate change is really a problem. Okay. And just to imagine this, this is more or less a web page where you have several people coming in and they're annotating it with their own commentary or analysis. Is that right? So kind of like a piece of paper, but yeah. digital. Yeah. Yeah, imagine you had, you know, a news article in front of yourself and you had your highlighters and your sticky notes and you were marking that that thing up and you were saying, I, I have questions about this particular area or this particular paragraph. And then you hand that over to your friend and you say, you know, I went through this. It really was thought provoking. I want you to go through it and do the same thing and, and just let me know your thoughts and so you hand them over your highlighters and you hand them over your sticky notes. It's the same premise. You know, maybe you shared a textbook in college or university and, and you got back your textbook and all of a sudden it's got your buddy's ideas written all over it. It's just that exact same process, but happening online on the web instead of happening in, in a physical book. Okay. What are some of the possibilities for for students, or maybe even for staff. So if we want to start maybe with students first, what, what can lecturers do if they were to use social annotation with students? I think there's a lot of possibilities here, but it starts with thinking about your pedagogy. Um, so, so if your students are in a position where collaborative work might be really beneficial to them, if your students are in a position where, where geography kind of separates them or time kind of separates them or space kind of separates them, but they need to be able to read the same resources, compare notes on those same resources, and develop ideas from those same resources, then when, what you've landed on is a good candidate for social annotation. 
it can often directly translate in that same way to to how we interact with our colleagues. Maybe in the course, course planning cycle, you're considering different texts or resources to pull into your courses. Well, you need to be able to take a look at some of those resources, kind of compare the pros and cons or weigh them out with maybe a peer or two in your industry and say, you know, is this really the best resource for my students or one of several resources that I could curate for my students? What's problematic about it? And so you could kind of vet along with your peers, whether or not a website article, a journal article, or or an online text is really well suited towards your pedagogy or towards your need for your course planning. I've actually seen some people do this exact same social annotation tool, but do a really tried and true pedagogical approach. And that's guided reading. If your pedagogy involves guided reading at all, you know, here's here's a reading. We're going to explore it together. We've got, a, you know, a set of guiding questions to take us through several chapters or several portions of the text Social annotation could let you do that same process, but very asynchronously where you go in and you kind of highlight a section and you drop in your guiding question right on that highlighted section. And then you ask students to engage in in the dialogue uh, about that, that topic right there on the text. So kind of living on the web page or living on the book that you might be exploring. And so we can almost kind of think about many of the tools that are out there for social annotation. I'm thinking in particular of what I know about hypothesis or peruse all those kinds of tools. You can functionally replace a separate discussion forum with localizing the discussion about the text on the text. So if you've ever done sort of in your classroom, you've sat down and you had students and you sort of given them all a copy or a couple of copies of, of a reading and you said, okay, you were expected to read this for today. Now I want you to discuss it in class. And here's the questions that you'll be discussing. Imagine now that you take that exact same activity and you just pull it over onto the web and it's just happening sort of on top of on top of the website or the article that you wanted them to, to read. It's the exact same premise. So social annotation is pretty flexible. It can kind of be what you want it to be, but it does match up with some of the, the pedagogies or the approaches that you might already be using in some of your courses with a little bit of flexible thinking. Okay. So basically instead of having, say, a PDF document on a uh, on like a Moodle or Blackboard space, you could and and a discussion board as well. You could actually take that discussion to the web. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as that article lives somewhere on the web, it's got sort of like a, a permalink. And again, this is this is why um, open texts or open resources or OERs. I'm thinking of you know open textbooks are really great candidates for social annotation. Something that's like a, a digital book that's, you know, paid access behind a paywall or behind uh, a series of logins makes it really hard for you to use these kind of tools with it. But like we've been living in the PDF world for a long time where we find a good article and we say, okay, I want to print that or I'm going to download that as PDF and then I'll share it that way. But instead, if you just share the link, just share the link to get students access to it and encourage them almost universally to use a social annotation tool. 
There's a bunch out there on the market. I'm again going to point to Hypothesis as being one that I really like because it is free for use. It's it's almost entirely free, although there are ways to better integrate it to your LMS that your organization could look at. Collects very little data on students and, and by simply encouraging them to use this tool, you would be able to post the link in your course and have them go and, and kind of live or annotate out loud kind of on the web. And just for maybe a bit more context, what subjects or disciplines have you seen in people using a hypothesis for social annotation? Uh, it really depends. And it most often depends on that person's comfort with the idea of social annotation. Um, there's not really any one discipline that it's is sort of like the best suited for. This is in my, in my viewpoint, I would argue that I could use this for any discipline. It tends to be really popular among uh, research-oriented professions or research-oriented disciplines just because there's so much opportunity to digest a lot of content online and then the need to critique it or peer review it. Uh, It's really popular among educators. It's really popular among science and technology researchers. It's really popular among journalists. But... um, it's really not something that has to be discipline specific. Uh, it's absolutely something where, say, you had a trades manual or, or, or something posted online. You could definitely go ahead and critique and review that or have students ask questions live on that document or that manual. It's something where, you know, ideally the tool that you select is straightforward enough that, that students can get up and running with using it relatively efficiently. So um, I almost wouldn't even hesitate to say it, it belongs to certain disciplines. Okay. No, that's really good to know because there's a lot of tools out there which seem to be better for some disciplines than others. But yeah, with, with hypothesis, for example, you could easily use it. I can already see uses of it like in either learning language or maybe sociology, law, but also what you said, you know, uh, the sciences. Like there's a journal, I think it's called Lancet. It's a medical journal. And I think they publish some open articles as well especially in relation to like COVID-19 so I can imagine oh yeah. yeah I can imagine researchers going on there and critiquing in an open way or within their own little groups you know uh, as you said people who know each other they could form a group on hypothesis to kind of absolutely yeah. oh oh my gosh I can imagine that there's several communities of researchers out there right now doing research on covid um, and using something like hypothesis or a social annotation tool to be able to to kind of to to collect like sort of literature reviews or meta-analyses as efficiently as they can researchers are pretty savvy with this kind of stuff and they they will always look to use them because it just lets them kind of transcend that space and time element of i need to be in the same room with these people to have this discussion or we need to meet up at the same time it really just lets them break that out and you can do it anytime, anywhere from almost any device. Okay. And just on, just to kind of, uh, to take a critical eye at this, uh, approach, social annotation. So why would we use this approach over say annotating a word document or a PDF and sending it to someone? It may be it's self-evident, but why, why would we do that? That is a good question. Why wouldn't you kind of use the method that you're more comfortable with? And and the answer probably is it's about working in silos 
and the choice to whether of whether or not to choose to to contain and and hold your thoughts and your work and your research or or your your critique to yourself and and the person with whom you might be working or whether you're thinking that your ideas and your contributions might have benefit to not only yourself and your peer that you might be directly working with, but with a broader community. So one of the things that I really like about many of these tools is that there's sort of levels or layers of sharing to them. You can be entirely private. You know, you can just say, you know, I just want to mark up this, this text. I want to read it to myself and critique it for myself. Um, and I'm, I, I don't, I'm not really ready to share what, I, what I'm writing about or thinking about or, or learning about. But there's the ability here to go public with your thoughts and to participate in a bigger community. I don't know your case, Dustin, but in, in my case, you know, um, in my organization, I'm the only person who does what I do. And so how do I connect with other people who do what I do? Unless I'm willing to open up to almost more of a, a public discussion or a broader discussion about some of the things that I read or some of the things that I find and, and how do I invite my peers and my colleagues that I do connect with into, into those discussions with me. So it's one example that I can come up with of this. I recently participated in an open book club and it was led by a dear colleague and friend of mine, uh, Lisa Trimble, who is a teaching and learning consultant at, at my organization, but she's she's got a great track record. And we were reading a book called An Urgency of Teachers by Jesse Stommel uh, and Sean Michael Morris. And it's 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 a book, it's published as a as an ebook or a, an open textbook, but it's also um, it's also a set of openly accessible uh, blog posts that they they were writing and crafting in regards to digital pedagogy, what it means to be an, uh, a critical digital um, educator. And we were doing this open book club. We all wanted to read this text together, but the people who wanted to do this were from the States. They were from the UK. They were from Canada. They were from all over the place. And we were right in the middle of the COVID transition. So it was it was really taxing to ask people to meet up at a specific time on a specific day to get together and, and have conversations about this, although that was part of it. And so we used hypothesis to be able to mark up this text and to say, this paragraph was really meaningful to me and here's why. And I, I just to put ideas out there to the community of people around us. Um, and we were surprised to see people participating in our conversations. Um, they, people from that weren't necessarily part of the Open Book Club, people who had just stumbled across this book and also loved it and wanted to talk about it, were posting replies and comments and, and building off of the ideas that we were sharing in there. And we never would have had that rich of an experience with it if we hadn't been willing to use a social annotation tool and to annotate kind of out loud on the web. You can use sort of private groups within the tools as well, which means that you can sort of more find your local community in that. But it's really about making conversations about things that are online uh, more dynamic 
and and engaging and participating with the people who are out there and ready to talk about this topic instead of hiding behind a silo and saying, I'm just going to share my thoughts with my one peer or my one colleague. Of course, there are so many subjects where you could use this, especially for book clubs, especially now that we're working home remotely, but even on larger campuses, you know, think of campuses where they have lots of commuter students who, who can't just come in and join a, uh, a physical book club, for example. Mm-hmm. Or a study group. Or a study group, exactly. But they could still access those texts mm-hmm. online. And I like the idea that, you know, you can use OERs, Open Educational Resources. I know that Johns Hopkins has their project Muse with lots of ebooks, I think, that are online. But then, of course, yes, the book uh, you mentioned, Emergency of Teachers, I've also read that as well. So the idea of using web books as well, because again, as you say, since they're open, we can read them together. The benefit is we can share our notes, our interpretations, our analyses, and so on and so forth. Is there anything else that, that you wanted to touch on or other examples or anything? So I think the decision to, to kind of start working with social annotation tools really does start with getting comfortable with collaborative docs and, and knowing that you feel comfortable with that principle there. And then and seeing a need for and a desire for moving towards guided reading or complex reading of online texts. Uh, it's almost like, you know, we've been presented with this idea that the text, that, that the web is a, a written space and we're just here to consume it. Somebody else out there is writing it. We don't, but we're not, we're not participants in that space. We're just there to consume the information that's presented to us. And isn't it part of literacy to always question that, to say, I am not just a simple consumer of what information is presented to me. I'm a critical digester of the information that is presented to me. And how can we do that online without tools that let us kind of mark up and have dialogue around online texts and online resources or, or PDFs or whatever they might be. You know, how do we take ownership and, and have critical dialogue with the information that is presented to us if we aren't equipped with those tools? And social annotation tools often, you know, are, are a little far-flung for people. They're like, well, I've never really done that. I don't really, I don't know where the, the fit is there for me. But if the fit is can be described as anything. It's about your need to critically digest the information that someone is presenting to you online and and the need to say, here is something that is written and I'm going to question it or I'm going to offer my input onto it. And so if there is a fit at all of that into your pedagogy, then there is a need for social annotation. And it starts with often just getting comfortable with the the whole idea of reading something online and 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 being willing to share your your thoughts and your insights about it. I mean, I think the the benefits of this are just the numerous, you know, analysis of text, critical evaluation of text, but also meaning making, depending on the subject, uh, interpretation, just all of the kind of what they call higher order thinking skills. Um Absolutely, yeah. So it seems like the the kind of possibilities are just so much, especially when it comes to policy. Even if you think about policy documents, which are online, um, they're usually openly accessible anyway. So if you can 
if students who are studying various subjects were interested in policy, as an example, anything publicly available, they could just go in, you know, as you mentioned, either have study groups where they're working together. They don't need to print anything, which saves trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we know learning is a social and a dynamic thing, right? Even for the introvert, um, the ability to share to someone your thoughts is, is critical for your reflective growth in learning. And, and so how do we do that? How can we just how can we just make that happen more often to people's comfort level um, and just say say yes to idea sharing and and um, and and growth? And I think that's that's the the key tidbit here is certainly among academic spheres, but I would argue across across the breadth of the human technological skill set. Um, we need to, to find ways to critically evaluate information that's presented in front of us. And this could be one medium. Yeah. And just to kind of round this off, yeah, you know, introverts, especially, they may not want to join in a study group, but even extroverts as well, if they have this online space, those who lurk may actually learn a lot more through just reading other comments yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love lurkers. I'm one. I'm one frequently. So, um, yeah. How do those who are passively participating benefit from from the thoughts and the 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 insights? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thanks very much for joining today. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. It's been great to have a conversation about social annotation with with someone so interested. So, I appreciate the invitation. Okay. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been great to talk today.